Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and to the rest of you in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries from your favorite rebels that are not me. I'm your host, who is definitely, absolutely not David Menzies. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and I'm filling in for my friend David as he takes a well-deserved break from the show this week. Desperate times call for desperate measures, as they say, but sometimes desperate measures can do you more harm than good. Desperate people are turning to bad legal advice they find on the internet to try to find a quick fix to the pandemic and the lockdown and their job losses. But instead of a quick fix, sometimes these homemade solutions are just the opposite, a long catastrophe. After seeing otherwise well-meaning people looking for a quick way out, Tamara Ugolini sought some actual professional legal advice to get the hard truth instead of the feel-good pixie dust. And she finds out that there's no easy way out of any of this. And speaking of taking the easy way out in other legal news, Western-based airline WestJet has begun the process of effectively firing unvaccinated flight attendants and staff after allowing them to work through the worst, most unknown parts of the pandemic. Calgary-based reporter Adam Sos brings us the story of his gut-wrenching interviews that he did with some of the now former WestJet employees. And he brings us an update to the legal battle the Democracy Fund is taking up on behalf of one of these flight attendants through your generous donations to fightvaccinepassports.com. Don't worry, Art Pulowski's incredible lawyer Sarah Miller's on that case, so you know there's no homemade lawyering pixie dust happening there. And letters, we get your letters, or at least David Menzies gets your letters every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my story about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau having two movies on his flight that were available to him, but were deemed inappropriate for the delicate eyes of the former Governor General Julie Payette. Those are your rebels. Let's round them up. So let's, for example, refer back to the restaurant and they're being told they can't come in because they're not vaccinated or they can't get into the store because they're not wearing a mask. Um, they. They're very quick to want to suddenly go after the individual, the waitress, uh, alleging that she has breached their charter rights. She has not. 
She's merely the enforcer, albeit inappropriately in my opinion, but she's merely the enforcer of the law. It's the law she's enforcing that is breaching your charter rights. We're very heightened right now with emotions. We're, we're angry, we're afraid, we're upset. You know, we're losing our jobs. We can't access public places that we used to access. And I totally understand that the level of emotions is very, very high, probably higher than almost any other time in history, save World War II, perhaps. Um, and so, and people, they want remedy, they want it fixed now. There's, there's very little room for patience anymore. And unfortunately, if you go into uh, the court of law, if you start proceedings based on your emotions, you're not likely to be successful. The court is not there to assess your emotions. The court is there to assess fact. If people wish to be successful, if they wish to have a strong case, they need to make sure that the facts are gathered to support the allegations. They need to make sure that they keep their emotions outside of the courtroom and they have to deal with it from a logical reasonable perspective with facts to support the allegations. Nothing seems to make sense anymore. And it seems like politicians and health officials are acting outside of the law and it's making some well-meaning and otherwise completely intelligent people go looking for their own solutions, partly because they feel let down by the courts, but also because they feel let down by the police and also the people who make the laws, our elected legislators. Now people are desperate and they're turning to homemade law and homemade legal gurus promising a way out of restrictions and job losses. But will it work? Or are all these homemade lawyers and quick fixes as effective as masks and social distancing, as in not effective at all? Coburg rebel sensation Tamara Ugolini called in an expert to help her cut through the false hope and get straight to the facts. And she joins me now. Hey, Tamara. Um, my Hi. first question to you is, and I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why was it so important for you to do this particular video? Because I think this is one of the most important videos of the year. Well, I had been seeing a lot of things online, and, and that includes my friends and my family with this these notices of liability. And I started to realize pretty quickly that they weren't getting them anywhere. And I wondered how sound legally what they were trying to do was, um, especially as in real time, I was seeing that nothing was coming of it. Um, so I started to talk to a few people who are more legally minded. And then of course, Suzanne Coles, um, coincidentally enough, gave this presentation at one of the doctor events that I had attended on two separate occasions. And the second time I thought, you know what, I really need to get in with Suzanne Coles and get her on for an interview because she just spoke so much common sense and really explained things in a way that were easy to understand that made me realize, oh, wait, this isn't necessarily the fail safe that people have been led to believe that it is. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't have any sort of bad feelings towards people who try to use these things. Actually, I feel sad for them because I know how desperate they are that they are turning to these sort of quick fixes and snake oil. It's legal snake oil is what it really is. But uh, people are desperate and they also can't believe that this is the world we live in. You know, 21 months ago, there was a rule of law. Politicians were required to respect the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But now 
we're locked in our homes. Politicians are telling us how many people we can have over for Christmas dinner, and we can't even travel domestically without getting a medical procedure. So I understand how people end up in this particular mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just it, Sheila. Is like, I think that we've coined this term before. They're desperate for some hopium, something to cling to, to say, okay, this is your ticket to get out of this madness. But the really unfortunate thing and the saddest part, at least in my realization, was that this actually just makes you look really silly because there's no grit and because there's no, uh, there's nothing to actually move forward to hold these people accountable with some paper. Um, like Suzanne mentioned, you know, if, if someone was robbing you, uh, taking your purse and you say, hey, wait, stop that. I have this notice of liability. And if that was enough to make them stop stealing your money and taking your purse, well, then no one would ever engage in crime. And so I think that the consensus seems to be that these notices of liability are maybe a good stepping stone. So you kind of start there. It's more for the public record just to let someone know that you're not agreeing with what they're doing and that you're prepared then to litigate further. But you have to be prepared to take those next steps. And like Suzanne mentioned, you have to have a solid case that's not just rooted in emotion. And I don't like this. There has to be some sort of damage or monetary value that's been been compromised or taken from you so especially with job loss so i think what ends up happening is that people aren't necessarily prepared to take that next step and they don't realize that this notice of liability in and of itself isn't going to give them the end result that they're hoping for i mean in some instances i guess um very rare you know it's they push back it's like sending those demand letters or those threat letters it pushes back the deadline on some of these things um but you do need to be prepared to go the next step and you should consult with an actual lawyer because if this is just stamped as me, the person to marry Ugolini, they're going to say, oh, ha, good luck, throw it in the trash. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want people to misunderstand. I don't think lawyers are actually all that much smarter than the common person. <laughs> no offense to the lawyers we work with. They're just experts in the field. Um, for me also, I have a real problem with some of the the self-appointed gurus of the um, sort of homemade legal system uh, framework. My problem with them is that they are very low liability. They can give desperate people really bad advice to take into a courtroom so that they lose a case, get an enormous fine and ruin their life potentially And the person who gave the bad advice just moves on to the Mm. next person. And that's what really bothers me in all of this. I call them low liability legal gurus because that's what it is. They get the fame, the fortune, and the admiration while somebody else deals with the consequences. Well, that's just it. And so that was another angle that Suzanne kind of pointed out to me off off the record. There is one individual in particular, and I'm not going to dox them, but they're working for a group that essentially does this legal homemade lawyering and spreads a lot of this information, disseminates it out to the Canadian public. And you can look, anyone can go and find this. It's canlii, C-A-N-L-I-I dot org, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's all of the case, previous case counts or case documents in that on that website. And so if you go in and you search some of these names of the people that are giving you this advice, 
check their credibility for yourself because you can see that certain individuals do not have a good track record with this these cases and they are potentially not in good standing with the law association so i mean that's a simple thing that people can just look for themselves and say hey let's check this person out and i it's sad because i don't think people are doing their due diligence because they're so desperate for hope and and something to rein this back in but the biggest takeaway for me with, from Suzanne's interview was the fact that she mentions that time is actually on our side. So yes, the wheels of justice are slow moving. It takes a long time to get things heard and through the court. However, six months ago, we didn't know that these injections were unsafe and we didn't have the data that showed all the adverse reactions. We didn't have the data that showed that they don't prevent transmission or infection. So as more credible science comes out because that science, it's always continually evolving, uh, a lot of these legalities will actually work in your favor for a good case and setting good precedents. You know, that's a really great point too. A good legal case sets precedent and a bad one also sets precedent for everybody else. And one, yes. uh, one of the things I'm so proud of the work that we do in partnership with the Democracy Fund is when we are fighting these legal battles, we publish all of our legal documents so you can see the good thorough work that our lawyers are doing um, because they do work really hard. And as Ezra always says, you kind of get what you pay for when, when you're getting a lawyer. Um, Tamara, one last question. What should desperate people do? I mean, they're turning to these gurus who are giving them so oftentimes bad advice. So what's the good advice for them? Well, actually, that's funny that you mentioned it because I just spoke with Suzanne yesterday and I'm hoping to do an update video because a lot of people have reached out to me since that interview was aired and they're, one, they're saying, well, we're left even more discouraged than we were before. So what can we do? And so I'm hoping to bring Suzanne back on and discuss some, some viable options for people moving forward. And I think the biggest takeaway is, is like I've already said, with the time being on our side, we just have to be patient. You know, a lot of these instances, yes, people are losing their jobs are losing their livelihoods, my husband included. Um, no one is safe from these indiscriminate mandates, including my own family. But we had an idea that this was coming. And so we were able to prepare. And it doesn't make it any less insane and unfortunate. Um, but be prepared and, and try to be patient because there are a lot of really good, strong lawyers and groups working behind the scenes to rein this back in and we just don't hear about it. So just being patient and knowing that there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to set that good solid precedent um, and, and move forward into 2022. Thanks so much for working so hard to bring people the straight facts, whether it's on um, legal issues or on vaccine issues or on mandate issues. You're the one I think in the company that does the most amount of work to just get people the information that they cannot get anywhere else. And you're talking to the experts all over the place. So I just appreciate that. And I'm thanking you on behalf of all of our people. And I want you to have a really great weekend. Five years ago, we started this airline with the belief that air travel could be better. Today, our commitment to caring for our guests and WestJetters is stronger than ever. From before you depart to after you arrive and at every point in between, 
we have your well-being at heart. WestJet's slogan is, we care. But if their actions indicate anything, it's that that is simply not true. With Christmas fast approaching, WestJet has terminated countless employees based on their vaccination status. These aren't just terminated contracts, however. These are people, people with names. Hi, my name is Shannon Lyons. I've been working with WestJet as a flight attendant for 10 years, and I've recently been fired because I refused to disclose my vaccination status. Hi, my name is Janet Highgate. I go by Jan. I've been working for WestJet and WestJet Vacations for 17 and a half years, and I've recently been let go because of my vaccination status. My name is Jacqueline and I've been with WestJet for 21 years as a flight crew member. I recently was terminated by WestJet for not disclosing my private medical information. I would like to remain anonymous, but I've been a cabin crew member with WestJet for 20 years, and I was recently fired because I refused to disclose my vaccination status. WestJet has, I mean, our motto was we care, right? And they haven't. They haven't cared across the board. Sorry. No. So many of my colleagues, like we have done, we have, we have missed birthdays, we've missed Christmases, we've missed events for our family. And, you know, some, some of us here today have flown the whole time through COVID. And all of a sudden it's like, there's no, there's no discussion. There's no option. They, they said, well, you can apply for an exemption. No one got exemptions. Like, mm -hmm. no one I know got them. And I know a hundred people for sure that tried. Mm -hmm. And they were told their religious exemptions were insincere, that their medical requests were not enough. Like, I'm sorry if you have an allergy, but, you know, get some Benadryl or something. Like, it, it was just cold. and And we have jumped from from like, okay, is this, this actually legal for you guys to do? I've had severe allergies, anaphylactic. I had a reaction to the flu shot back in 2009. I've got severe allergies to so many things. And that when I started WestJet, um, they even set up a um, allergy scent free area for me to work and Clyde Bedeau was fantastic. He, you know, he's always accommodating. So I didn't think twice that there would be an issue this time round with me having some sort of accommodation for my health, right? And um, so I did give in and I took the first shot. I had a severe reaction. Within a few minutes, I was having difficulty breathing. I couldn't, I had hives, um, swelling, I had heart palpitations. And um, I continue to this day having side effects with headaches and earaches and, and muscle pains. And um, last week I had to go for some special tests. Like this is just ongoing. And I thought there's no way I can take a second shot or a third shot. Which one is gonna kill me? Because we care is the motto of WestJet, which apparently they've completely abandoned. They're the second largest air carrier in the country, but they've also moved to terminate unvaccinated employees or employees who are simply unwilling to divulge their vaccination status to their direct managers. Now employees who have been with the company for years, employees who have built the company from the ground up, are on unpaid leave, which, as you know, is basically constructive dismissal. WestJet was founded in Calgary. It's the West's airline, and yet it has completely moved away from those Western sensibilities of freedom and minding your own business. 
Now, Calgary-based reporter Adam Sos has sat down with some WestJet employees to hear their stories, to hear the stories you won't hear in the mainstream media. And it was one of the most moving and compelling stories of the pandemic that I've seen so far. Adam, thanks for joining me. I want to ask you, is there a sense of betrayal uh, from these WestJet employees? Because so many of them have been with the company for decades. And yet now, just like that, they're gone. Yeah, betrayal is the word that several of them used. Um, much like many Western Canadians, there is a fierce sense of loyalty to WestJet. Um, for the longest time in my life, when someone said Air Canada or one of these other airlines, I was like, well, why not WestJet? That's ours. Um, there's a sense of pride among people who like WestJet broadly, but particularly for these employees, they said they breathe and bleed teal. Um, they, they put in 10, 20 years. Um, they, they, some set to retire as early as November of next year. So these these are people who have built the company. Um, furthermore, some of these people said they've actually spoken with some of the president, CEOs, higher up uh, people because they called them not long ago, just before COVID, saying, well, you're the you're the people who are out in the field. You're the people who are building this company. Um, we need to hear from you. We need to learn from you. So I think that was back to the WestJet Cares era um, with the onset of COVID, like so many companies um, who were beloved and very often very decent to their employees. Um, as COVID set in, they've been throwing people out left, right and center like they've done absolutely nothing for them. I think on, on the note of betrayal, one of the things that really sort of struck me the most is lots of these people are not even receiving notification of termination. They're just actually like this is sickening. They're being locked out of their accounts. Um, I know the case that we're working on with a WestJet client with Sarah Miller of JSS Barristers through FightVaccinePassports.com. She actually, the, the client that she's dealing with, she just found out because she couldn't log into her accounts and they were effectively terminated. No one ever even spoke with them. So betrayal is the fitting word, certainly. And it seems, uh, and again, from the outside looking in, sort of antithetical to the culture of WestJet or what we mm -hmm. knew to be the culture of WestJet. WestJet has always been resistant to unionization because they took care of their employees. They didn't need a union to tell them how to treat their employees properly. If I recall, their WestJet employees used to be able to buy shares of the company and the companies would match those shares for them. So, you know, they really treated the employees like they were owners, but yeah. not so much anymore, hey? No, and I know that there that that may have changed sort of gradually over time. There are some employees who are unionized, some who are not. But this whole, in addition to the uh, the caring slogans that are thrown about, is owners care, um, and they're very much a company that was proud that some of their higher ups were people who worked through the company, and that their people were buying in. Uh, one of the stories of one of the people we talked with, her, her, she actually used um, some of her share equity. Um, she took it out, and then she was sending her son through piloting school because she wanted him to work for WestJet. That's the extent to which the people love this company. Um, and for that to be thrown away without consideration um, is is reprehensible. It's it's it's, it's it is, and obviously, as you see in the videos, it's extremely upsetting. Um, everyone we spoke with was crying. Every single one of them. It was a very difficult interview, as you can certainly see in the video. Now. Something interesting just came out in the last, I don't know, 36 hours by the time this video goes to air. Justin Trudeau has issued a travel advisory suggesting Canada Canadians refrain from non-essential travel. Now, who's mad about this? The WestJet Group. Mm -hmm. uh, they issued a strong uh, statement in opposition to it. 
WestJet suggests that Canada's recommendations on travel are, quote, this is my favorite, not based on science and data and significantly undermines aviation's proven safety record. Yeah. Uh, their statement also calls the measures a setback in Canada's progress in the country's successful transition from relying on blanket advisories and policies. I would tend to agree with WestJet here, um, mm. but their forced vaccination, no job, uh, no job, no jab policy also flies in the face of science since those uh, WestJet flight attendants and other employees, they were able to work successfully for now 21 months safely, no problems. Mm. And now they're being fired because they won't get the jab. Well, and this is the thing that's shocking on the anti-science front is uh, numerous of these people we spoke with were uh, flight attendants and they worked through SARS, H1N1, uh, the swine flu. They worked through all of this. Um, if there's so much as they joked one time that they found blue mold on a cheese on an airplane and they actually had to stop and scrub the whole airplane. So this is a very regulated uh, sanitary industry that deals with transmissible uh, diseases on a wide scale. So they were working through this no problem. It wasn't until vaccine companies started selling vaccines that this suddenly became a concern. But let's say you are entirely on board with vaccines. You believe in them, you trust them, you think they're the miracle drug that Jason Kenney et al. suggests that it is. Well, it's still anti-scientific because on one front, one of the, one of the people we spoke with she actually had she she was on board she got the first shot had a severe medical reaction to that shot her doctor said do not get another shot again literally this wasn't a general opposition to vaccines she has all her vaccines she had a serious medical episode from the covid-19 shot and the doctor said do not get another shot furthermore if that wasn't bad enough she's been working from home and doesn't go into the office so she has no contact. Like, this is just an absolutely ridiculous case. And WestJet needs to shake their head because it's unscientific on so many fronts. Some of the other cases where people uh, who have antibodies and paid for the testing themselves have gotten COVID, um, whether through the line of work or outside. But um, these aren't people who are just saying, I'm I'm, I'm not doing this because I don't want to, which if you want to say that, you should be able to. Sure. This is a free country. But these are the most extreme and nuanced examples of 10 reasons these people shouldn't be getting vaccinated. And WestJet has thrown the science out the window. Um, I, for one, am certainly hopeful that uh, these people will have their day in courts as far as settling severance, particularly in the case of these individuals who got the first shot, tried to do everything right, complied, uh, went through all the steps and short of risking their lives again, they couldn't get the second shot. Yeah, that's one of the things that has really struck me about some of these vaccine mandates. Yesterday's heroes are today's anti-vaxxing lunatics. Mm -hmm. If you follow the mainstream media, these are flight attendants who didn't know how deadly COVID was or wasn't at the beginning of the pandemic, but they went to work anyway because they love their job. They love their guests. They don't even call them customers. They call them guests. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted to keep the economy moving. People need yeah. to travel for the economy, for work. I remember taking a flight early in the pandemic and flight attendants looked like they were going to brain surgery because mm -hmm. they were being exposed to people who, you know, testing. We didn't really quite know how that worked. We didn't know how transmissible COVID was, how it even spread, how bad it was, um, what the comorbidities were. But these flight attendants were showing up to work every yeah. single day. And now, 21 months later, they're tossed out just like unvaccinated firefighters are, just like unvaccinated cops are. 
um, it, it's so fascinating how quickly they went from, you know, the bravest ones amongst us to just get the jab or lose your house. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's vexing, and it, it it just lets you know the extent to which so many of these corporations. Um, are just get along bottom dollar kind of guys. Um, listen, if you want to do that, that's fine. I understand that's how lots of the major Chinese corporations operate, but you can just knock that we care, owners care, all of that right out of your name and stop pretending you're the good guy, WestJet, because you're not. This is a massive story. Thousands of people replied that they're no longer supporting WestJet. They'd rather walk than fly with this airline any longer. Um, Short of a serious apology and bringing all these people back, um, this should have a serious adverse effect on this company, and rightfully so. One, getting rid of skilled employees who have worked for the company for years, who have done everything right, that is going to affect your bottom dollar, that period. Throwing them out in such a dramatic fashion where you're not giving them any severance, you're not even notifying them, you're just canceling their accounts and shutting them off. It is villainous. It's outright villainous. And there should be consequences for that sort of villainy. Now, uh, we are taking on one case from WestJet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how people can support uh, that legal challenge and uh, find out a little bit more about it? Yeah, so Fight Vaccine Passports is the place to go. Um, There is a video and perhaps we can uh, toss a link to it or you can look it up uh, with uh, Sarah Miller talking about the case. We're just sorting out some details with that client as well. So we will be doing an interview with them shortly. Um, But they are effectively a client who has been working from home for years, has no contact with other people and is therefore uh, unwilling to be vaccinated. And we'll get into more details uh, in a detailed interview. But another one of these crazy cases where this person has been working from home doing everything right, no contact with everybody. And again, without even so much as a phone call to say thanks for your service, they've been shown the door. Um, We say that we're taking this on, but I think ultimately what we mean is our viewers are taking this on. the donations at fightvaccinepassports.com that go to the Democracy Fund, which is a registered Canadian charity, so you get a tax receipt for that. Those funds hire lawyers to defend these people who are being bullied. Listen, if you can chip in 10 bucks, if you can chip in 100 bucks, if you can make a big donation to that, it's all being locked into that registered charity and it is being used. Rebel doesn't see a cent. It's being used to hire lawyers to stand up for these people. Um, I think that this is likely the biggest civil liberties uh, thing, period, happening in Canada right now. And it's entirely possible because of our viewers. So if you're someone who's outraged by how these WestJet employees were treated, if you're someone who's watched uh, some of the police officers, the firefighters, the frontline workers, as Sheila said, the people who have been thrown out after being heroes for 18, 20 months, if you're outraged, go to fightvaccinepassports.com because this is where we draw our line in the sand and this is where we say enough is enough and we're going to see them in court and we're going to hold these companies accountable. Yeah, and it's the right time of the year to capitalize on that charitable tax credit through that partnership with the Democracy Fund so it it helps your charitable tax donation uh, make a difference in your tax bill and Justin Trudeau shouldn't get any more of your money than is absolutely necessary. And as you rightly point out, we're just the vehicle by which Mm -hmm. we connect Uh, the people with the legal help that they need. We often hear the thank yous from the clients, but really the thank yous belong to everybody who donates uh, at Fight Vaccine Passports or at Fight the Fines. All that money goes to the Democracy Fund to help people, total strangers. That's the beauty of all of this. There are Canadians 
helping total strangers because they care so deeply about civil liberties. And it is, you know, to hear the gratitude from these people, um, it sure fills my tank up to keep me fighting on another day. Adam, I want to thank you so much for the work that you do um, for Canadian workers and in the interest of civil liberties. Um, you go out there every single day. You don't just tell the stories and do the journalism. You and the team in Calgary are really working hard to make Canada just a little bit more free. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. You too. Have a great weekend, Adam. You too. Today, however, I'm not telling you about the thousands upon thousands of your dollars that Justin Trudeau and his friends spend on booze in the sky, nor the hundreds of thousands of dollars they spend on food, but rather how the in-flight movies are causing controversy. At least two of them were deemed not suitable for our female governor general at the time, Julie Payette. Now, for some reason, the Department of National Defense sent us the list of movies available to the Prime Minister and his VIP friends to watch when they're on the government challengers. The DND didn't even send us the whole list. They just sent us the B and C titles. And I don't know why they did this. I don't know if they're sending me this stuff to waste my time because I have to read it. But you know what? I did read the list. And frankly, it's kind of heavy with Leonardo DiCaprio content, so read into that what you will. The beach is on the list and Blood Diamond's on there too. Anyway, I thought it was sort of curious. Something piqued my interest. There are two movies on the list whose titles I can't know now because they were deemed inappropriate. As in, the movies were listed as something Justin Trudeau could watch, but they were deemed inappropriate for the Governor General Julie Payette to watch when she was on the flight. Good gracious, what are those titles? What did those movies have in them? And why do these government bureaucrats think they need to go about the business of pre-censoring movies for the lady governor general? I'm pretty sure she can make her own mind up about what she wants to watch on a flight. Think whatever you want about Julie Payette, and I certainly do. But the Queen's representative in Canada at the time is an autonomous adult woman who doesn't need a feminist government and their bureaucratic enablers telling her what she can't cast her pretty little eyes upon, that it might angry up her blood. Also, again, I'm just dying to know what those movies were. And specifically what genre they fell under and what rating were they given? R, X, triple X. Feminism for Justin Trudeau is when you fire prickly women you can't control and wherein you have bureaucrats tell other women what they can't watch on a flight. You know, you don't have to like the former Governor General Julie Payette, and it's my impression, frankly, that many people don't like her, and I'm not even sure that I like her. But what I do know is that it doesn't matter whatsoever in this story because she's a fully formed adult woman capable of making up her own mind about what she can or cannot watch without some paternalistic so-called male feminist telling her she cannot watch certain things. And what on earth was so inappropriate that other adults couldn't see it? Anyway, on this story, Don writes, Without exception, the list is long. Every single politician I have seen who wears their morality on their sleeve is guilty of the exact thing they claim to be against. You mean like Justin Trudeau fighting racism while doing blackface so many times that he lost count at three? Or claiming to be a feminist while bullying prickly women out of their jobs? Or... 
do you mean like the male feminist Dion Buse who punched my camera into my face at the Women's March while his female enablers helped him escape? You know what? I think you're on to something, Don. Now, in the same vein, Tame Thing says, my husband says, doesn't Trudeau call himself a feminist? So should he not be watching films he deems offensive to women? Oh, wait, he must be a feminist with perks. Ah, he must be. I'm dying to know what he was watching, though, aren't you? What was so outrageous that no one could know about it? Not even after the fact and access to information. Blocking this stuff for me, it only makes me more curious. And that's why I'm going to keep looking and keep filing until I find out what those titles were. Well, friends, I think that's enough from me. I want to thank David for letting me stand in for him tonight. I want to thank the team in Toronto for putting together the hodgepodge of videos I sent them into something for our viewers at home to watch. I think David will be back in the big chair next week. And as David says, without risk, there can be no reward.